Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Lydus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Oh, yeah. Come on. Is anyone excited that it's church today? You know, this song, right? It just always just makes you like, right? You just can't but help but just get excited. I hope you're excited today. Not only it's Palm Sunday, we celebrate that, but we also celebrate that today we made it. We finished our Exhale series. We're finishing this letter of 2 Timothy. You did it. We did it. Come on. We got through it. It's amazing. From January up till now, we've been on this journey. And so I had to bring out some balloons to celebrate, okay? Now, you might be new here today. You're wondering, what the heck is going on? Let me explain. So uh, we've, been ex we've been talking about how God's word would be like an everlasting balloon, a balloon that will not deflate like these are kind of starting to deflate. I blew them up last night and they're already starting to go down. But God's word literally is exhaled out of the creator into his word, the scriptures that we now call the Bible. And it will never go out of style. It's something that's a treasure that we can stand on no matter what. Never adding anything to it or taking anything away from it. It's such a gift. It's such a treasure that we celebrate. Now, I brought out some balloons because, you know, a lot of times like we celebrate friendship and partying with balloons, right? Now in the first century, they didn't have balloons, right? They didn't have balloons. So a lot of times when they would celebrate or triumph or have victory, they would bring out palm branches and they'd be waving them in the air. And that's what happened with Jesus on his triumphal entry, coming in Jerusalem for the last time, riding on an ass on purpose to let people know that, hey, I'm gonna, I, I am King Jesus, but he willingly also 
was allowing people to see that he was willingly going to be arrested and crucified and follow through to show us that he really was the ultimate friend that we could ever have. Now, it'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it, if you went to a party, a birthday party, and gave someone a branch for a gift, right? It'd be kind of a little strange, right? Which makes me think, was it anyone's, like, birthday today by any chance? Just anyone? By, by raise hand, is it anyone's birthday today? Okay, was it anyone's birthday, like, right here? Anthony, it's your birthday. Wait, who is that back there? Who's this? Jeremy? It's your birthday today? Come on, let's give it up for Jeremy. Oh my gosh, man. Happy birthday, dude. Okay, how old are you? 31. Okay, on the count of three, let's say happy birthday to Jeremy. One, two, three. Happy birthday, Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy, now listen, those balloons are, I know, not the greatest, so make sure you stop by the connect table and they'll get you a little gift, okay? All right, happy birthday, so cool. That wasn't planned. I was, just, I was glad it was, I didn't know it was your birthday, but that's cool. That's awesome. Hey, we did that today uh, on purpose, to have a little fun, to wake us up a little bit, but uh, because we're talking today as we end this letter about friendship and the value of friendship. We're going to see Paul close out this letter, giving his last remarks, but not only the, the last remarks of this letter, but this is going to be the last remarks of his life as he was facing imminent uh, execution uh, for his faith in Jesus. And so he gets, this isn't just like some nonchalant, okay, signing off. He was really specific and it had purpose. And he lists, as we just heard before I came on stage, a lot of different names. And uh, so they were listed for a reason, for a purpose. And so our goal today is that all of us would look into our lives. And uh, my hope is that the value of our friendships, we would remember that, how valuable they are, that we would increase the value of those friendships and be better friends uh, to others as well and increase the value of the friend that we are to others. And so that's our focus today. That's our goal. Again, so glad that you're here uh, today. And, uh, but before we dive into the text, I just want to pray for you. And pray for me. So let's just pray. Let's just all together just, uh, just ask God right now, um, whether you've been following him for decades or just for a few days or you're still exploring, just, just ask God wherever you're at. Just say, God, speak to me. Just in the quietness of your heart, speak to me. Speak to me. Help me not to miss what you'd have for me. Ask him that. Also, as a church, I want us to just all together, not just me pray, but all of us pray, you know, there's so many things. Uh, we, there's always crazy headlines. But, man, this past week, so many crazy headlines that just make you, just leave you scratching your head, wondering what in the world's going on. And so, God, let's just together, can we just lift up the families of that horrific school shooting? Just lift up the adults uh, and the children and their families. Just say a prayer that God would overwhelm them with their comfort and peace right now. Father, we know that when people's hearts ache, your heart aches as well. And God, I ask that you would help these people who are walking through this really dark valley, that you would help them to lean in not to the things that they don't understand about you, but they would lean into the things that they do know and understand about you. 
And that for those that don't know you, God, that you wouldn't waste this hurt. This hurt wouldn't be wasted and that it would draw them to you in this very, very specific way. Overwhelm them with comfort and peace like never before, right now in this moment. Father, uh, please, as always, get me out of the way. And we pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus, and everyone said together, amen, amen. Well, hey, as always, please uh, open up your Bible to the second letter of Timothy. Second uh, letter of Timothy will be in chapter 4, as I've already stated, finishing this, this, uh, the, this letter. Um, grab that journal. Uh, as we've been talking about the importance of marking things down, so it'll have a longer-lasting mark on our lives. That's so important to do. Remember, this letter was inspired by God, written to the Apostle Paul, delivered to his mentee Timothy, and he was writing these very specific things on purpose with some massive, massive truth as he closes things out. So I hope you're ready. You guys ready? All right, let's dive in. We'll start uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 9. It says this, Do your best to come to me soon. And I just had to stop there because when I think about that, here you have the great Apostle Paul, the great leader, the church planner of all church planners, telling Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. Showing his cards, if you will, of like longing for like a vulnerable part. Like, I need you. I want you. I, I don't want to do this alone. I, I want you to be with me. And I think that is a great reminder for us. Because sometimes I think we can be so tough. Like we try to be Superman or Wonder Woman and we can handle it. We got this all on our own. Like oh, I can accomplish this. We don't need each other. And this is Paul shouting out to us, I think, reminding us that we need each other. Please do your best to come to me soon. I don't want to be alone. I think this is a great reminder that it's okay for people to see your tears. And it's okay for people to see and feel your struggle and to let them in. You don't have to do it alone. Don't try to be, as I said earlier, Superman or Wonder Woman. And so this is also pointing out the first friendship that we're going to see today that's important for us that we need to lean into. And, and that's this friendship right here. Say it with me. Faithful friend. The faithful friend. And um, Also, just pausing as we, you see this right here, you might be wondering... This is Spanish, and uh, we, so we just want to welcome all of our Spanish friends in the room who are speaking, who their heart language is Espanol. Those of you watching online, we're so glad that you're joining us. Um, but it's just so cool to, to have this opportunity uh, for people to come and, and hear God, God's word in their heart language, and so we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. And so the faithful friend. Now the faithful friend we see as Timothy, a trusted faithful friend, but not only Timothy, as we heard earlier uh, there's 14 other people that we would put in the category of this closing letter as faithful friends. Here's a list of all of them. Not, we don't have time to go through all of them. Some of them we know more than others. Uh, some, this is the only mention of these people that we have. But what this shows us and reminds us of the importance of having faithful friends. It reminds me of the great proverb. It says this, 18.24. Proverbs 18.24 says this. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend, sticks closer than a brother. And so here we have Paul highlighting the importance of the faithful, trusted friend. Who are your faithful friends? Who are the friends that are with you through thick and thin? 
that are with you on the mountaintops and don't get jealous, that are with you in the mundane, that are literally with you in the valleys of the storms that you're walking through. Who are those faithful friends? And I just want to encourage you, if you have them, lean into them. And if you don't have them, then keep striving to find those faithful friends. Or ask yourself this question. When people are asked the question, who are your faithful friends, does your name ever come up into their mind? Are you that faithful friend? Are you reaching out like you need to be? Are you making those texts? Are you showing up? Are you making those calls when those calls need to be made? That's a, that's a really, you know, I think it's a really, and I could say that and just move on, but I just encourage you, if you're taking notes, to write that down. Where might you need to lean more into a faithful friend? Or where might you need to be more of a faithful friend? Think about that, all right? I mean, I think we could all process that if we're honest a little bit longer than just a couple minutes here. So I encourage you to think about that because that can have some serious impact on the fulfillment of, of your life. Let's keep going. Verse 10 says this, For Demas, in love with this present world, has, say this with me, deserted me. Say that with me. There we go. You guys are awake. And gone to Thessalonica. Demas. Man, I'd hate to be Demas. Written on the pages of history by Paul, and he literally says that he deserted him and went to Thessalonica. This is being called out as the unfaithful friend, the fallen friend, if you will. That's the next one you can write down if you're taking notes. Not only faithful friend, but then we see here the fallen friend. Which makes you kind of wonder, what was in Thessalonica? Like, was he like, tempted by worry or worship of the world? Was there a girl there? Was there a senorita out there that he was looking for? I mean, was, was it just his hometown? Did he have a good job opportunity? Was he just running from persecution that was imminent in Rome at that time that hadn't reached Thessalonica? Was their friendship just surface? Was it not, did not have the deep roots? Did, did, did he not have deep roots with Jesus yet? Was what... His calling of being a Jesus follower, was that just kind of surface level and then it was just so easily just, 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 just get out of here? Was his cowardness greater than his commitment? We're not really quite sure what drew him to Thessalonica, but something did. But what we do know is that Paul made time to say that he deserted me. And the word deserted in the original Greek is literally utterly abandoned. Leaving someone helpless in a dire situation. And man... Come on, this stings, doesn't it? Some of you are experiencing that right now in your life, where you have a friend that has just deserted you and has fallen right off the map. And it's really tough is when those relationships fall off the map because of their sin, because of their Thessalonica that is hooking them and luring them away. And then here's what happens is the reason why they're deserting you, the reason why they don't talk to you or call you or ghost you and don't want to be around you anymore is not because of you. It's because of the Jesus that is in you. And so don't take it personally. But let's be honest, it's really hard not to take it personally, isn't it? Maybe you're sitting in the room today, and if you're honest, you might be that fallen friend. Today, you're being lured away by your Thessalonica that is luring you away, and you're that fallen friend, and Maybe this is a wake-up call for you today. You came in here by accident, but God might be trying to get your attention to say, stop. Stop going that direction. 
Stop being lured away. Don't do it. Um, if you're married today, I just want to talk to the married couples in the room. I'm telling you what, I constantly hear story after story after story of spouses being lured away by some erotic rush. And I'm telling you, it's not worth it. That temptation or that satisfaction only lasts for a moment and will always leave you wanting more. And I hear story after story of wishing how they could just turn back the clock. And so for some reason right now, you're putting energy towards deserting that spouse. Remember, it's until death do you part. That word divorce in our culture is just so flippantly used. The Bible's really clear. The scriptures are very clear that divorce should only be in the midst of adultery. It's if you've been unfaithful. Let's not, let's not sugarcoat that. Let's not use the word divorce so flippantly. So if you're on the track right now of thinking like, man, we're going to, you know, you're in the process of maybe feeling like you want to desert, you're putting energy in that, and if you have kids that's even potentially deserting them, run from those thoughts. Hear from the word of God today and run from those thoughts. Stop putting energy into, into deserting your family and your marriage and maybe start putting more energy in discipling your marriage. So important. And just know that if you are on the run right now and you are being lured away and hooked on something, know that most likely you've got some faithful, praying friends that are just waiting for you to come home and to come back. Let's keep going. It says this. Crescens has gone to Galatia. We don't know much about this individual. But what we do know, if, if Paul said to go to Galatia to serve the church, that he must have been a faithful, trusted friend. Titus to Dalmatia. Uh, Paul talks about him nine different times in the New Testament. He even wrote the letter Titus, right? So he was always helping the struggling churches. Then he says, Luke alone is with me. There's Dr. Luke making his appearance in the closing. Dr. Luke was the only Gentile author. He wrote the longest of the Gospels of the story of Jesus. He was the one that accompanied Paul for many, many years. He traveled thousands of miles with Paul. He was actually the one that was shipwrecked with Paul. And he was the one who was actually talked about that he was uh, a part of both imprisonments with Paul. Reminding us of another faithful friend. Man, a, a faithful friend who's willing to weather the storm with you. And then it says this. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very useful to me for ministry. Pun intended. I want you to mark this down. Okay? Mark this down. Circle this verse. 2 Timothy 4.11. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very, say it with me, useful to me. He's useful to me for ministry. And a lot of times we can just read this in the closing of, of a letter and just skip over it. But this verse is filled with remedy. This verse is filled with such remedy, with such a healing that sometimes we can skip over. Um, let, let me tell you what I mean here. This is bringing up a really important truth. Remember, Mark was the one who spent time with Peter, who got the revelation to write the book of Mark. And that's why we have, we did a series on the book of Mark, Mark on Rewind. You can look that up. But this is also the Mark 
that Paul and Barnabas got in a disagreement over. You can read about it in Acts chapter 13. Mark left Paul and Barnabas, and he went back to Jerusalem, and Paul did not like the unmentioned reason that we'll never know why he left. But years later, it says, we read about how Paul and Barnabas were going to leave Antioch and go on another missionary journey to visit all the different churches that they planted, and Mark, or Barnabas, sorry, wanted to give Mark a second chance. Paul was like, no, 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 I don't want to give him a second chance. And that's when Paul and Barnabas got in a disagreement and went their separate ways. But now here we are, get this, some 20 years later from that disagreement and separation, and here you have Paul saying, get Mark, get Mark. We don't know if he was in Ephesus at the time or in route from Ephesus to Rome, but get Mark, grab Mark. Bring him to me because he's very useful to me, showing us that at some point there was some form of reconciliation between the two, reminding us of this very important truth is that friends will let you down. But even though friends can let you down, doesn't mean that you still can't be good friends. That friends will let you down. Friends will drop the ball on you. But that doesn't mean you still can't be good friends. Jesus' friends was going to let him down. After he rode in on that triumphal entry, very soon later he'd be betrayed by his friends. And after he died and rose again, who did he go and look for? Those friends who deserted him and betrayed him, restoring and making sure that their relationship was good. Yeah, it shifted, it changed. But sometimes those wounds and those uh, scars that come out of friendships that let you down, that can actually, if you allow it, can make your friendship even stronger. And so this highlights the other friend that we see in the story is the forgiven friend. The forgiven friend. Write that down. The forgiven friend. Listen, I know all of us in this room have people in our lives that have let us down and have hurt us and wronged us, and it's tough. I get it. But, and you know this. Don't get trapped in the bitterness of unforgiveness. You know the old saying, bitter never makes you better, it just makes you bitter. And so, is there a friend that you need to move into and offer that forgiveness? Is there a friendship that, that, that you just are potentially missing out on the gift and the treasure of that friendship because you're just unable to do that? Here's what I just want to remind you. This is something that's been so vital to me in my life when it comes to all the relational tensions I've had. Ephesians 4.3. If you're taking notes, write that down. You should have this memorized. If you're a Jesus follower in the room, you get Ephesians 4.3 right in here. Because when you're laying down to go to bed and you're going back and forth in your brain with a situation, yeah, but I said this, but they said this. Yeah, but remember, how could they forget that I did that? Or what about with this? Or what about that? Am I the only one who has this wrestling match in my brain? Right? When that happens, I lay my head down at night, and Ephesians 4.3 pops in my brain. Make every effort for unity. Make every effort for peace. Have you done all that you can do? Have you owned up to the things that you know you need to own up for? Or, and, have you owned up to the things that maybe you shouldn't have had to own up to, but you do it anyways because you want peace? 
And then you let that sink in. And then if you have, then brother or sister, be at peace. Because then there is nothing more that you can do except for pray for them. And then maybe they'll come to you someday. But make sure. And I don't know what, you, what your thing is today. But maybe there's something that you need to do. There's some unfinished business that you need to be that forgiving friend. Or maybe someone has, you know, come to you and said, I forgive you. How have you responded? Did your boxing gloves come out or did you receive it? It's so important. Man, life's precious, guys. You know. Short. Don't lose out on a potential friendship. No matter the hurt, no matter how they let you down, you never know how God could use that to bring such a joy to your life that you can't even fathom. Verse 12. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus, again, a trusted friend that Paul would trust him to go to Ephesus and serve the church. Then he says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. You know, people, you know, scholars talk about this. It's funny. It's like, what's up with the coat? Like, why is he making such a big deal about a coat? I mean, he's the Apostle Paul. There's coats in Rome. Just get another coat, Paul. Like, why are you so concerned? But some people think that based off of this is showing that when he was in Troas, he was arrested unannounced. And so everything was left. And so he didn't have a chance to bring all this stuff. But that was free. I don't know why I told you that. But just so you know, that's, that's why that's in there maybe. Um, verse 14. Here we go. Alexander the coppersmith did me say this with me. Great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. It's interesting. Paul says more here about Alexander the coppersmith than he says about any other person on the ending of this section combined than anyone else. I mean, he puts a lot of emphasis here. And so what does this remind us? What does this show us? This shows us the fake friends. Friends that are foe. They never were your friends. There's people, there's friends that are in disguise that are always out to get you. They will be cruel and they will always try to hurt you. And this is just a reminder that you can't escape that. This is a reminder that we just need to be aware of it. And oftentimes the root of why they're acting that way towards you is because they're jealous of you. But you can't really call that out because then you sound arrogant, right? You're just jealous of me. But at the deep root of most people that are going to come after you and try to hurt you and harm you, it's because they're jealous of the things that you have here on earth. Or more importantly, if you're a Jesus follower, they're jealous of the anointing and the blessing that God has on your life. So don't be surprised by it when it comes, because it will come. But notice what he says. Don't lower to their standard. 1 Peter 3.9 reminds us in the similar way that Paul does. Don't repay evil for evil, right? We know this. Don't retaliate, re- retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Well, easier said than done, right? I mean, come on. Right? When someone comes after you and lays into you, man, it's just like, I just want to... Oh, man. 
But this is true, right? I mean, I've experienced this in my life so many times where my tongue has got the best of me, where people are trying to attack me, and I come back at them in a really slick way and feeling kind of good about myself on that, but then it's just like, no, 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 no. Why did I fall to that level? That ain't worth it. There's no blessing out of that. You know, we know. But man, when you do it, instead of repaying evil with evil and you let God be your defender, every time. Remember, God exalts the humble and he opposes the proud. God exalts the humble and he opposes the proud. Then it goes on. It says this, at my first defense, my first defense. Now, uh, in the Roman court system, just to give you a little historical backing on this, uh, there were two hearings in the Roman court system. The first was to clearly establish what the charge was. And the second hearing was to determine if there was guilt or innocence. Now, we're not quite sure, but we could assume and speculate that Nero himself, the ruler at the time, was presiding over Paul's hearing. Why? Because he hated Christians. And Paul was a major threat because he was the biggest Christian leader at the time. Okay? And so, now, I don't know if you go back in history with me, who was Nero? I mean, Nero despised Christians. He was the one that was so sick in the head where he lit Rome on fire just to blame the Christians so that more people would hate Christians. This was the guy that had his candlelight parties, but the candles were human Christians being lit on fire as everyone would be partying, shouting, celebrate, while Christians are literally burning all around them. That's this guy. I'll give you another one, not to make your stomach, but I just want you to know the reality of what Paul's facing. This was the, this was the ruler that literally would take Christians that were alive and sew into their skin and attach them to dead animals and then throw them out into the arena for game and send wild dogs out into the arena while the crowds are cheering, just tripping, just shredding limb by limb Christians into pieces. This is, whether it was Nero himself residing over this hearing, but this is the one who was in charge. So things weren't looking good for Paul. So this is, his, this is what's happening. This is, this is the level of intensity that he's feeling. And then it continues. It says, at my first defense. Notice what he says. No one came to stand by me. No one. No one showed up. Not even Luke. Not to put Luke under the bus. I mean, hopefully he had a good reason why he was there. But he's literally saying, no one was there. A bunch of no-shows. Everyone had deserted me. But then notice what he says here. May it not be charged against them. Wow. Wow. Do you respond that way? This is good. This, is, this got me. Come on. When people haven't showed up for you, are you still holding it over their head? That's a tough one. I mean, come on. People have let you down. They haven't showed up when you needed them to show up. How much have you kept holding it over their head? And then here's the saddest part for me that I see over and over and over again. Is that when people let you down or Jesus followers let you down or the church lets you down, then what's so sad, what happens, is that then people use that. And you might be one of those people today. 
where then it pushes you away from the one who will never let you down. And you hold it over God's head. Listen, you know, like I think about my position as a pastor and I think of many of you in the room as leaders. I mean, right, we, we, we drop the ball. We don't like do it on purpose. Like never maliciously as you can be there for this thing or this thing in someone's life, but then you miss that one thing and it's just like they hold it over your head and I, I feel bad about that. I, I, I mourn over that. I, I sought forgiveness over that. Um. But I want you to hear what Paul says next. Even though he says, no one was with me. A bunch of no-shows. But I don't hold it against them. I'm not going to hold it against them. But then what does he say? But the Lord, put it up. But the Lord stood by me. And he strengthens me. He strengthens so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Jesus is the only full, satisfying, never failing, never letting down friend that you can hold on to. That's it. Don't be confused. Christian fellowship, Christian relationships were never intended to take the place of the presence of God in your life. Christian relationships with people is just a perk. It's just a bonus. It's just an added thing. Never to replace it. But look at what the enemy does. Look at what the enemy does. Look at how Satan, he's so good. Man, he's good. He's sneaky. He is sneaky at what he does. That for some of you today, that because some church leader or some church, or some Christian that you felt like was a hypocrite, that let you down, has pushed you away to ignore a friendship that will never let you down. Why would we let that happen? That makes no sense, but we naturally can just tend to do that. Be reminded that Jesus is the forever, never-failing friend. Yeah, well, I feel like he's let me down. Sometimes we can feel that way. But the truth is, is that he will never leave us, nor forsake us, or abandon us. But we live in a fallen world, and sometimes he doesn't show up the way that we wanted him to show up for us. But that doesn't mean that he's not there. That doesn't mean that he doesn't still have a plan, even though it's hard to understand even like those families who are mourning that are nine-year-old daughters right now. So, in closing, here's a question. 
Have you ever leaned in to the unfailing, faithful, forever friend of Jesus Christ for your life? Did you know that the creator of the universe wants to call you friend? But if you haven't started a relationship with him and surrendered to him yet, you're not his friend yet. Did you know that? If you didn't, don't hear it from me. Hear it from God's word. Romans 5.10 says this. For since our friendship with God was restored, meaning then it was broken, by the death of his son Jesus, while we were still his, say this with me, enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Enemies. That seems harsh. That God would call you an enemy, that God would call me an enemy. It's harsh, but it's the truth. And the reason why we're called his enemies is because we have been unfaithful. And we have fallen. And we have missed the mark. And we have fallen short. We have sinned. I'm a mess. And I know I'm not alone. This is a room filled with mess. And we're broken. But God is faithful. And he made a way to restore us back to him because he can't have anything to do with sin. He's such a holy God. He can't. It would, it would be outside of his character, don't you see? But he made a way. And that's why 2,000 plus years ago, he sent his one and only son, Jesus. And before he died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we didn't have to, here's what he said. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. He not only said it, but he did it. He wasn't a hypocrite. What he said, he meant and he did, and he followed through, showing you and I what true love is, showing us that he is a forever friend that we can count on, that he was willing to lay down his life for you and for me, proving that he is a God that will never let you down. He laid down his life to show you that he will never let you down. Have you ever grabbed on to the friendship of Jesus that you can have for your life? If you haven't, then let today be the day where your life will forever change by allowing a forever friend, Jesus, to take the center of your life. So I'm just going to ask us to all pray together. Would you just close your eyes, bow your heads with me? Maybe that's you today. Maybe if you're honest, you just say, you know, I walked in here today and I, I know I don't have that. I, I've pushed that off. I don't understand it all, but today I want to start a friendship, a relationship with Jesus today. And so if that's you, it's by your faith that you can start that, not by your works, but by your faith. And so I want to lead you through a real prayer, a real conversation between you and God. Make it your own, but I'll give you some ammo. I'll give you some help. Just repeat this in your own words, just in the quietness of your heart. Just say, Father, I'm done running from you. Thelma, 
And today, now I run to you. I want you to be my friend. I want you to call me friend. I don't want to be your enemy anymore. Forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my mess. And then just with gratitude, thank him. Say, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me, proving you are God. Right now in this moment, I receive you, Jesus, to not only be my king, but to be my friend. To not only be my friend, but to be my savior, my Lord. Now, as we continue to pray, if you, if you really meant that, like if, if you truly meant that for the first time, the scriptures are so clear that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You're restored. Your friendship with Jesus and your creator is complete. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of knowing you, to be called your friend. Oh my goodness. Thank you for being that friend that will never let us down. Thank you so much for being the friend that just gives us a model so that we can be better friends to those around us. Help us. I God, I ask for healing in this room. I know that there's a lot of relational hurt and tension right now in this room. God, I ask that you would give people the strength to do what they know they need to do. That they would own up to their part so that healing can come because life is too short. We love you. We pray this in the power of your son's name. Amen. 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 Listen, if you made a decision to put your faith in Jesus for the first time, it's the best decision you could ever make. And I want to encourage you to do one more thing. Tell someone. Let someone know. You can tell one of our team members. You'll see lanyards on there. If that's too intimidating, you can always just text us. Why? Because we want to celebrate with you. But two, like our vision here at this church is helping people move towards God. And so most likely you have questions, and we'd love to help guide you on that journey of this newfound relationship, game-changing relationship for your life.